Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, the Ducks have a new ECHL affiliate and more of my interview with Sarah Avampado as we talk Hall of Fame and women's hockey and a little dig at the Sharks. Sorry, content boys. All of this on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is July now. It's now been four months. Yeah, about four months since we have had hockey played in SoCal or pretty much anywhere else. But anyway, welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your humble host, Jason J.D. Hernandez. Well, maybe not so humble today. I'm going to humble brag a little bit to start off. I'm a little tired, and if you guys follow my personal account, you probably know why. So for those of you that live in the Inland Empire or Southern California in general, you're aware that we have a lot of mountains up up a bit ways, up around the Ontario Uplands Rancho Cucamonga area. Yeah, a couple days ago, I finally did something that I've been working at for a while now. I finally climbed my first 10,000 foot peak. With the gyms closed, with marathons not happening, I figured, well, I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm not going to go to the beach. It's too crowded. So what am I going to do? Let's go to the mountains instead. So I went to the mountains, started hiking more and more, and finally reach the top of Mount Baldy. Mount Baldy is 10,064 foot elevation. I finally did it. So I was very exhausted. It kicked my butt. That's why we didn't have a podcast the last couple of days. I just got really exhausted. That happens. So what can we talk about? There has been some hockey news over the past few days, and I'll address one big point of news tomorrow. Today, I'm going to address the news that's more relevant to the Anaheim Ducks. Yes, the Tulsa Oilers, they've announced a three-year affiliation with the Anaheim Ducks, and this is directly from the Tulsa Oilers website. Quote, The Tulsa Oilers, proud member of the ECHL, announced Wednesday a three-year affiliation agreement with the Anaheim Ducks of the National Hockey League and the San Diego Gulls of the American Hockey League. And this is a quote from Duck Senior VP David McNabb. Quote, the Anaheim Ducks have always valued a strong working relationship with their ECHL affiliate. We are thrilled about our multi-year agreement with a quality organization such as the Tulsa Oilers. The Ducks organization is committed to player development, and this relationship with Tulsa will only further that commitment. End quote. All three teams have had a working agreement over the last two seasons where Ducks players, some Ducks players would go to Tulsa, but Tulsa's previous agreement was with the St. Louis Blues not officially the Anaheim Ducks. Over the past two years, the Ducks have had no ECHL affiliate. In fact, they haven't had an ECHL affiliate since 2018 with the Utah Grizzlies. In fact, here's a breakdown of ECHL affiliates. So there was a weird period around 20, I want to say 2010, where the Bakersfield Condors Yes, the SoCal team, the Bakersfield Condors, were the ECHL affiliate, but the Ducks had no AHL affiliate for the 2009-2010 season. Yes, there was no AHL affiliate, if you could believe that. The league was going through some major changes at the time. The Iowa team, they had just gone under, so there was a vacant slot for the AHL. No one took it. The Ducks didn't go for an affiliate. And for that season, players would just go to scattered AHL teams or they would go straight down to Bakersfield. So for that one season, Bakersfield was pretty strong, if you can believe it. 
Then we go to 2010 to 2012. They were the affiliate uh, AHL with the Syracuse Crunch. Then a couple years after that, they went to Norfolk. Currently, they are affiliated with, of course, the San Diego Gulls. This could be a very long-term deal as far as NHL-AHL affiliation. The Gulls are in it for the long haul, and the Ducks' affiliation with them is seemingly going to be there for a long time. The fact that they have a three-year agreement shows that they want to commit somewhat long-term and not go through teams like they had in the past. They went to teams like Bakersfield, Elmira, Utah. That was a pretty long run, a five-year run. Over the past three seasons, players have gone to different teams, Tulsa being one of them. So now that they have a three-year deal, we're going to see players go to Tulsa in a more regular basis from the goals. And this could create some better opportunities for certain players to have a consistency. One player that spent a lot of time in Tulsa last year was goaltending prospect Ole Eriksson Ek. Eriksson Ek is only 20 years old. He played 27 games with the Tulsa Oilers last season. He had a 3.01 goals against and a save percentage of 9.02. Not too bad for a 20-year-old. Again, he's only 20. He did go to training camp for the San Diego goals last season and in fact had some time on one preseason game last year with the San Diego goals and even spent some time out there at the game at the Honda Center. Uh, for those of you that remember, all the way back in September, the Gulls and the Rain annually play a preseason game at the Ponda. And those are free tickets, by the way, guys. They're free hockey tickets. You should check that out one year. Maybe they won't do it this year because of the coronavirus. But when it comes back the following season in, I guess, September 2021, they will have their preseason game there. So that is something worth checking out. As I mentioned before, several Ducks prospects played with Tulsa last season kind of on a loan basis. And I mentioned Erickson Eck. Also, Brent Gates, one of those players. Hunter Drew was another one of those players. They had to go down to the ECHL when the Gulls had their full slate of players and the Ducks had their full slate of players. So because of that, some of those pretty decent prospects for San Diego, they would go down to Tulsa. Now we have a more consistent agreement as to what or where players are going to go. Last year, Tulsa had a 29-26-7-1 record when play was stopped. They were fourth in a 17 mountain division in the ECHL, which is, I guess, the westernmost division in the East Coast Hockey League. <laughs> and there that goes. One more thing I want to point out as long as we're here. The San Diego Goals have had a little bit of an issue with calling players up and down as far as their fourth-line guys. And part of that has to do with the lack of an agreement and an affiliation with the East Coast Hockey League. Now with that, it could make a stronger team for the San Diego Goals in general. And this could also make a stronger case for the Anaheim Ducks as to where some of their prospects are going to go, some of their further up-and-coming prospects. And Tulsa is a great hockey market. They have a pretty good arena, the Box Center. They have a good capacity. They have about a 10,000 capacity, which is very high for an ECHL team. And when you think about their minor league teams, ECHL teams don't generally get that high of a crowd. They average about four to 5,000. 
if they can get five to six thousand in that arena constantly for the ECHL, they will still be among the league leaders in that league, just like the San Diego Goals are constantly among the league leaders in attendance in the American Hockey League. Here is one more quote from the Oilers, from the Tulsa Oilers GM and former San Diego goal, Taylor Hall. Here's what he had to say. Quote, We had a great working relationship with the Ducks and Goals the last couple of years, and we're very excited to continue our partnership for the next three years. The Ducks are truly committed to player development, and I feel this is a great fit for all three organizations. End quote. So some great quotes there and a great thing for the Ducks and Goals future. And I'm going to mention right now, when we come back after the break, we're going to go straight into the rest, or not the rest of my interview, but the continuing part of my interview with Sarah Avampado from Locked on LA Kings and Locked on NHL. We're going to discuss Hall of Fame, the new members of the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about the Sharks for a split second. And we're going to finish the podcast talking about the importance of women's hockey. So make sure you stay locked in for that. I kind of feel unfair because I've been talking about the King so much and this is a Ducks podcast, but the reason is because the Ducks have the number six pick. It's not as interesting as the Kings having the number two pick and trying to see which direction they're going to go. So if Sarah, if you don't mind, I kind of want to talk about the Ducks for at least a few minutes. Obviously. Because <laughs> they're the other SoCal team. Hey, they're still better than the Sharks. Sharks were so bad. It's their fault. <laughs> we'll we'll drink to that. <laughs> Cheers again. That time I left the mic on, but also kind of faced away from the microphone. <laughs> so our our good friend Taylor Blake Ward, who does who's across the street from Locked On Angels, he's criticized me several times that I drink way too loudly. And I actually heard it on one podcast. I'm like, wow, that is oh, no. loud. <laughs> By the way, Taylor is also a big hockey fan. Although he's a Canucks fan, so I just feel bad for oh. him. Oh, wait. no, that's sad. Wait, well, I mean, they've got a lot of, like, promise now. They do. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing Vancouver win the number one pick. They don't live a charmed life. They still have not won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't hate it. I have no strong feelings towards vancouver like actually if i'm gonna be honest uh vancouver wouldn't get the number one that pick went to new jersey so never mind so vancouver would not get that pick anyway which sucks i feel like vancouver is deserving of at least winning one cup in the next maybe 30 40 years i thought they'd (laughs) get one with the Sidians. (laughs) that didn't happen and we could have a whole podcast about who's going to be in the hall of fame next year the, oh, the Sedins are the front runners, but that means that some other somewhat worthy competitors for the Hall of Fame might not get in. But I, I don't know. Can't they just like make them count as one spot? <laughs> like you all, we know they're going in together. They like, are not just... an amorphous blob. They are two yes, separate. Yes, they are. <laughs> 
<laughs> they are two separate human beings with real human feelings. You yes, can't... and I think that they would be okay with sharing a Hockey Hall of Fame slot to not take <laughs> away from someone else who like is deserving of being. They have their cake and eat it too. <laughs> I mean, they're a Canadian team, and they would love that in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Sure, <laughs> to get more people in. But what about the, quote, sanctity of the Hall of Fame, unquote? Eh. eh, forget the sanctity. Listen, they were, like, floating Shane Doan as a legitimate candidate for Hall of, the Hall of Fame. Like, there goes all your sanctity right there. Sometimes I say the Hall of Very Good. Look no further than... Okay, <laughs> I feel bad for saying this. Now we're going... We're avoiding the ducks. We're not purposely avoiding the ducks. Hey, oh, you started it. <laughs> I did start it. It's my fault. No, you know, no, no. It's the shark's fault. It's always the shark's fault. <laughs> always. Kyle, if you're listening, we don't care. No, we care, but... No. Do we care, Sarah? Uh, I mean, I care because I, I like the, the content boys as people. They are, like, they are fantastic. I have, I have many very good friends who are Sharks fans, and we have managed, much like you and I have managed to bridge the gap between Kings and Ducks, I have also managed to bridge the gap between Kings and Sharks with a lot of my very good friends. Um, I'm excited to someday go to San Jose and see a game there and see that big stupid shark head that like comes down on the ice. Like You haven't been to fun. SAP yet? I have not. I have okay. not made it to the Bay Area So I have yet. to warn you, when you go to SAP Center, they stick the media on the top level, though that is a top level of the entire arena. If you want to go across, you have to go through the catwalks. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not afraid of heights. <laughs> so hard pass? Medium pass. If I happen to be handed a press credential, I would use it and just pray I don't have to go from one side to the other. <laughs> So going back to the Hall of Fame, um, I kind of feel like the Hall of Very Good kind of applies to this year's draft. Or not draft, but <laughs> see, we're fine, I promise. <laughs> Cheers, Sarah. Yay! Yay! It's that kind of show, folks. Um, <laughs> someone who I felt was... Oh, we're having fun. Someone who I think is in the Hall of Very Good this year. I hate to say this. Kevin Lowe. Reason being, it's another one of those he played with Wayne Gretzky, so he should be in type players. Now, don't get me wrong. Lowe's a fantastic defenseman and won six Stanley Cups, four with Gretzky and two with Messier. I'm going to say two with Messier because he got the four, then he got the one in 1990, then went to the Rangers in 94 and broke that curse. Who I did like seeing in the Hall of Fame that is still giving U.S. women's hockey players nightmares, Kim St. Pierre. She's in. As a fan of the U.S. hockey team, she's a great goalie. She gave people nightmares. She was that good, and I hate it. <laughs> and now she's there forever to be honored. I feel like there, there's a whole other... I'm hoping to uh, actually get to talk about this on the Locked on NHL show um, just to kind of break down the way that women are nominated into the Hall of Fame and the fact that they have two spots every year but they can only come up with one because no one knows women's hockey uh, and there are so many people who are worthy of spots to be to be nominated that 
um, to, to go into the Hall of Fame that I think that the commission that picks these things just doesn't have the depth of knowledge uh, to, to enter more women in. But th- there's a lot of time to make up for. And I think she's a very worthy pick. But, you know, there's a whole other slot just sitting right there waiting for someone they could have picked too and they didn't. Um, but, yeah, I feel like she very worthy any any american who has gone up against her i feel like is just probably still having nightmares (laughs) even fans they're having nightmares so this is going to be a little bit of a tangent on women's hockey we're really not avoiding the ducks i promise but this one is my fault because i do want to talk about this just four months ago the panda held a great exhibition match between the u.s women and the canadian women i kind of feel like Maybe not a golden age, but we're in a great era of women's hockey where there are fantastic players out there right now. I mean, you look at Hillary Knight. She's one of the greatest hockey players. like her a lot. The Lamaroos, Jocelyn Lamaru, got the golden goal. There is so much talent in both the U.S. and Canadian teams for women that I think we're kind of in a golden era right now. Would you agree with that? Definitely. And I think that, you know, they're despite all the controversy between the NWHL and the the kind of alternate league that women have put together, some of the national team players and that, that did the tour that played in Anaheim um, and the, the XCWHL. And you know, just despite all the controversy, despite all the drama, there are so many more opportunities now for women to play past college, especially women who are, you know, very good in talented but maybe not quite good enough or not on the radar of their national teams uh, I think that we're seeing a lot more visibility uh, especially with social media and you know all of the different ways that you can get people to to have awareness of, of the sport I think that you know we're, we're just seeing the sport evolve and women evolve as athletes and I'm, I'm very excited to see where this conversation goes in the next five years, the next 10 years. Uh, just looking at women playing in college right now, are you know the, the skill level is so much higher and so much, you know, games are just so exciting to watch. And you have people who you know are going to be the future of you know, the future faces of the sport, you know, playing in, in the NCAA right now. And I think that it, it's a really interesting time for the sport. And it, regardless of what happens with, you know, getting a league that pays these women fairly and gives them the working conditions that they deserve. Uh, you know, I think that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that we are really seeing and have accessibility to these great women who are, you know, blazing trails for, for young people and, you know, it better than some of the guys, as we saw from uh, Kenda Coyne Schofield, who skates faster than like <laughs> a very large percentage of NHLers, I'm sure. She is fast in person. I've had the privilege of seeing some live women's hockey down in SoCal. And they can skate around me. They are some of the best skaters in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And when you talk about skaters like that, and going back to social media, sorry, um, that's what I want to talk about. The presence of social media for the NWHL, I think, has improved a lot. And I do want to give a special shout out to the Toronto Six. They have a fantastic social media team, and they have been nothing but tremendous in building their fan base, despite the fact they haven't played a game yet. Social media is going to play a key role in really elevating the women's game, as far as I'm concerned. 
and the more teams they can get, the better. If we can somehow get some teams out in the West Coast, I know right now it's mostly East and Northeast. I think the furthest West team is Toronto, the Toronto Six, because you have Boston, New York. I mean, that's what I think. Is is Minnesota further west? Minnesota. Let me look my map. It is further west. I'm sorry. I I, I don't can know geography. I, I can geography. <laughs> I promise. Minnesota's further west than Toronto. I'm a math major, not a geography major, <laughs> or was rather. I'm a stats guy. All right, now, what can we talk about as far as the Ducks are concerned? <laughs> what, so what, what, oh my goodness, be quiet. Do you not want to talk about the Ducks? I don't think your cat mm-hmm. wants to talk about the Ducks. <laughs> so yeah, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, man, she's really mad right now. Okay, um, fine, let's go back to women's hockey for a split second then. <laughs> does, that, does that calm the cat down? Yes, it does. Okay, mm-hmm. just one more small thought on women's hockey, then I'll move on. I'm hopeful that some, I'm being nice about women's hockey. It's okay. I'm very hopeful that somehow the pay is equitable to the level of play they have, especially as far as these are world-class athletes. They're Olympians, some of them, and they should be getting paid more. Playing in these smaller arenas does help. I would like to see more women's games show up on TV. It was a treat to see USA versus Canada on NHL Network. They showed the game at Vancouver. They showed the three games in the States. Put those games on NHL Network. The all-star exhibition between US and Canada. We want to see more of that. That should be an annual thing no matter what. Some of these other auxiliary contests on the all-star game. I mean, that target practice, what the hell was that? That was freaking ridiculous. I hated that. Some parts of the skills contest I like. Others, not so much. But one of my favorite things, the tournament between the U.S. women and the Canadian women. We want more of that. Put them more on TV and the fans will come. Okay, I'll let you talk while I cures myself. (laughs) You deserve it. Because now I got myself mad. Because they should play more women's hockey on TV. It's entertaining, folks. It is fun to watch in person. It is damn good. And folks, that's where we're going to wrap things up for today. As you can tell, it got off the rails a little bit there on that interview. I promise there will be Ducks Talk in our interview tomorrow. That will come tomorrow on Friday. As I mentioned before, this was the conversation with Sarah Avampato just after the draft lottery. So make sure to tune in tomorrow to hear the rest of the interview and we'll finalize some other news and notes around the National Hockey League. Just a reminder, you can hear this podcast via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you hear your podcasts. It is hot right now. Also, make sure to rate, comment, subscribe if you have not already. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow for Locked On Anaheim Ducks. I'm Jason, J.D. Hernandez, saying have a great rest of the day, continue practicing social distancing, stay safe, and hey Anaheim, ducks fly together.